The Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 6. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Christ. All right. I am going to come down a few steps because it makes me nervous standing up there. I'm afraid I'm going to tumble. And for you in the choir, I realized earlier, you can't see from there. So if you want to float in, because I've got some visuals, feel free or stay. But feel free to move if you'd like. Okay. While you're doing that, I'm going to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength, our empowerer, our redeemer. Amen. In this gospel lesson, I love the last part, the part about how if we can listen to God's instructions for us, about how to live our lives, that all this goodness will come overflowing into our laps. I think that part is awesome. Now, the rest of the gospel, I think, is super tough to do. And I think it can seem impossible. And yet, I did volunteer to preach this sermon. (laughs) Because I think God has a message for us in these texts. In the Old Testament, we have the story of Joseph. And as you may remember, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers who threw him in a pit 
and he got taken away. And I think that's a good way for us to remember that living now, there will be times when people close to us, family members, maybe spouses, maybe friends, are going to hurt us. Whether that is intentionally or inadvertently. Now physically he was thrown into a pit. And Joseph is a great example when he talks to his brothers. But for me there's a gap in the story of emotionally, how would that have felt? His brothers rejected him. His brothers abandoned him. And while he was in Egypt, at one point he was in prison. And I would think that would be a lonely place to be. I think that would be massively depressing. Now in the psalm we sang, it talks about some of the feelings that might happen with that. And it specifically referenced anger. And the other word is fret in some versions. I think in our version it wasn't fret. The actual word was provoked. Don't be provoked. Okay? I think those are natural responses when you're hurt by other people, aren't they? Being angry, fretting, provoking. Part of that is about feeling fret is a word we don't use. It's, it's like feeling rubbed against or like something is kind of chewing away at you. And I think about how that might feel physically. Maybe that's neck pain for you or back pain, maybe tension there. Maybe it's a migraine. Maybe that's the kind of stress that makes your stomach tie up in knots. And I think emotionally when we're feeling those feelings of fretting, where we're constantly and visibly worried about something and we're angry about it, I think about what that feels like. That's a, that's a feeling and a state of agitation. And it can be deep sadness. I think those are times when we can feel emotionally exhausted and depleting. Depleted. And so I already think it's hard to do. When the psalm says, wait, trust in the Lord, do good. That sounds good. That's really hard for me to do. And then along comes the New Testament. Along comes Jesus. And Jesus always takes love to the extreme level. Did you hear what Jesus said? I'm going to read this to you again. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Forgive. I don't know how to do that. I struggle with this a lot, both in my past, in my present. I'm sure I'm going to struggle with it in the future. But if it's okay with you, I'd like to share with you some journal writing that I did years ago. And I will warn you, it's not flattering about me. It's not pretty. But I would like to show it to you and read it to you 
Because I want you to see what happens when God meets us where we're at and what God does with that. So in this, I have changed the name of the person to Joe. So if there are any Joes in here, I am not talking about you. Okay? Okay. All right. A few years ago, I was praying about what to do for Lent. An idea jumped into my head that was completely foreign to me, and I disliked that idea immediately. Pray for your family member, Joe, every day. Okay, seriously? God, if that is you, that is too hard. You are asking too much. You know what he has done, and you know the pain that that has caused. On and on, it continued. The Holy Spirit nudging me and me fuming inside. He doesn't deserve my prayers. This is not fair. I hate him. And then the question from God that leveled me. Am I your Lord or not? I was quiet and I was humbled. And I realized that God wasn't saying that what this man did was okay. He was asking if I would submit to God's will on the topic. And so I whispered, yes, yes, you are my Lord. I will pray for him. I don't know if any words are even going to come out, but I'll try. Lent starts. So I start praying for the jerk. Because, right, this isn't pretty. This isn't flattering. Do you hear the condemning? Lent continues. I pray for the moron to have some wisdom. Lent continues. I pray for him to figure out what he is supposed to be doing and get his act together. Lent continues. I pray for him in his daily life. Lent continues. I remember stories about his parents treating him in ways that seemed unkind and unloving. Lent continues. I pray for him and I think of how it would have felt to have been him as a child. Lent continues. I pray for him and I visualize him as a child and I feel sorry for him for the first time. Lent continues. I I don't mind praying for him anymore. Lent continues. I realize how angry and how bitter I had become in the situation. Lent continues. 
I realized God wanted me to pray for him, not for the good it would do him, but for the good it would do me. Lent continues. I asked God to help me let go of my anger and to forgive him. Lent ends. I see Joe somewhere, and I realize that my stomach does not start tangling up in knots. For the first time, my stomach does not clench. I feel no physical discomfort at all, and I realize I have no feelings of ill will toward him whatsoever. I have not forgotten what he's done, but it no longer has a chokehold on me. I feel like I might even be able to go up and hug him. And I am stunned. There is no way I could have gotten here on my own. Only with God was this possible for me. And I had to return to God over and over again in prayer, and I had to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit in this. Now, in the waters of our baptism, we can take on God's view, God's vision of the other. Not as a hated enemy, or as an adversary, or even simply an annoying person, but as a beloved child of God, full of worth, full of value. And we have many whom we call other right now in America. I realize that we're experiencing this in decisive, in divisive ways almost daily, whether that is through social media or verbal insults or hate crimes. And sometimes... It's because of some of our differences. Sometimes it's because someone's a different age than us. So we think, oh, they're too old, they don't understand. They're too young, they don't understand. They have a different job than I do. They don't understand. Sometimes it's because of some differences. Sometimes it's because of things like race. Sometimes it's because of things like ethnicity. Sometimes it's about things like political party or even just differences about how we move and live. In the fall, there was a shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, and that was about religion. Because the shooter viewed Jewish people as other. And I realize this doesn't happen only in the U.S. This is a global issue. I was in Israel in January, 
And while I was there, I got to see firsthand the Israelis and the Palestinians. And they view each other as other. They view each other in many ways as enemy. And that's one of the things the ELCA is really concerned about, is how do we help people in that region? One thing that we might consider doing is praying for them. Because it is entrenched at this point pretty severely. I've heard it compared to apartheid in South Africa. So while we have this issue in multiple places and around the world, one of the things that I want us to remember, when we classify people as other, we start interacting with them less, and the distance between us goes greater. And without the interaction, and without the experiences of each other, what can end up happening is walls can form between us as we struggle to understand and relate to each other. But the thing I would remind you is in the waters of our baptism, God looks at us and says, you are beloved, child of God, full of worth, full of value. And we can take the love we have received and apply it to these relationships. And do you know what happens when we pour God's love on these situations? The walls disintegrate. The barriers between us are removed. And we can again engage and interact with each other. In our New Testament reading, We have a call and a command by Jesus to transform the world by showing how we can love our enemies, how we can express God's love to others, especially when it's difficult to do. This is how we model Christ to the world. Christ embodied God's love on earth, and Christ hung on the cross and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we can remember that no matter what we've done, we are forgiven as well, even when we don't deserve it. And we can let the radical love of God transform us. So let's ask the Holy Spirit for that same love of God for those we might view as our enemy or as other so that God's love can overflow out of our lives and dissolve walls in our relationships. Amen.